Today on Locked on Sox, we have a session of White Sox therapy about the Hall of Fame. You are Locked on White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked on Sox. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Thanks for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. We're free and available on platforms like Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us there at Lockdown Sox. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Today is Monday. It is a Monday mailbag. It's Monday, January 31st. Today on the Monday Mailbag, I will be answering your questions about the Hall of Fame. We last talked about the Hall of Fame in the class of 2022 on Wednesday. David Ortiz was the only player that was elected into the Hall of Fame on Wednesday. And that day, we also celebrated the fact that Mark Burley is going to be on the ballot for 2023. He reached the all-important 5%, which keeps you on the ballot. Mark was at 5.8%. And thankfully... I think that number goes up just because the amount of players that came off the ballot that were tied to steroids like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, and then a pitcher that people would argue is technically better, Kurt Schilling, but has you know some personal reasons why he's being kept out of the Hall of Fame. You know, I think the path for Mark, at least gaining votes, gets a little bit easier in 2023. But we're wasting. I'm. I'm not. We're wasting time. I'm the one talking. I'm wasting time. Let's get into the Monday mailbag. Let's get into your calls. We're going to go out to my guy, Mark in the Park. Hey, Sean, Mark in Litchfield Park. In regard to Gordon Beckham, prior to his sophomore season, I saw him hit a bomb at Camelback Ranch that left the, the facility. It almost hit the administrative building, you know, that's past the outfield, past the the lawn seats, the concourse, the whole thing. I mean, it was mammoth. But then that season was a horror show. Um, so I understand uh, the looking at Vaughn and wondering what's going to happen with him. Hopefully that's not the case. And as to Mark Burley, and I know I made this point before, but I'm here to make it again. David Ortiz gets into the Hall of Fame. What kind of credit does Burley get? for never testing positive, never being suspected of using PEDs and having to face these players that did. I don't know how you consider that. The rest I'll leave to everyone else to argue about, Barry Bonds and all. Let somebody else figure that out. But anyway, thanks. If you want to call into the voicemail, you can call in at 312-566-8727. That is 312 or you can write in at LockdownSox at gmail.com. And when you do call in, you will be greeted by me. I finally, you know, kick Tanny out. We'll, we'll, we'll be honest here. I'm starting to spread my wings. Herb and Tanny did a beautiful and very kind thing putting me up for this podcast. But it's now time to kick them off the voicemail. So now when you call in, you will be greeted by me. I'll tell you, leave your name. Leave where you're calling from. I want to hear from you. 312 566-8727. Thank you, Mark, for calling in. Love the Gordon Beckham story. And it, it does worry me because Andrew Vaughn could have a great spring and that could just get me more and more excited about the possible 2022 that he could have. I'm still really high on Andrew Vaughn. 
But I guess the more and more the lockout goes on and on, the more worried I get about him. And I think that's just because I'm pessimistic. I I don't think it's anything wrong with Andrew Vaughn. I haven't seen him play baseball since October. I should probably relax. But there is something there where he was slowing down at the end of last year. He was injured. And now the possibility of this lockout canceling spring training or some spring training games, which just means Andrew Vaughn, who probably didn't get enough time in the minor leagues already, will miss out on possible spring training games to work on his outfield defense, again, in position he didn't play until last year in the major leagues. It just has me, again, concerned because spring training, let's just say, you know, there's 25 spring training games. Andrew Vaughn is young, he's healthy, he's going up against, you know, some double-A pitching, and he looks good. He's hitting bombs exactly where Gordon Beckham's hitting bombs, right? I just worry that maybe it is too small of a sample size, and maybe I am too excited about Andrew Vaughn because he's young, he's exciting, he's smart too. I was very surprised at how well he did in the outfield last year. So again, maybe my time just here sitting in this closet thinking about Andrew Vaughn and what his sophomore year can be like, I I think I'm maybe getting into my head a little bit. But, I mean, like you said, Mark, it was there for Gordon Beckham. And probably at that time, after he had a great 2009, you weren't looking to put him down in the minor leagues. If Andrew Vaughn has a very good spring training, probably be very tough to put him back down in the minor leagues. So then, he just needs to survive. It's a very tough reality right there. I don't like it. It scares me. And now moving to your point about Mark Burley and David Ortiz. I understand where you're coming from. Mark played the game the right way. David Ortiz did not. And the fact that, you know, Burley played it the right way, that he should be rewarded. I don't know if I really buy into it. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, Barry Bonds' records stand right now because the MLB did nothing about his steroid use. All of Clemens Cy Young's stand right now because the MLB did nothing about his steroid use. You know, that's kind of why I'm just for Bonds and Clemens as baseball players being voted in because they were playing by the rules that MLB allowed them to play by. So I I don't see a big issue. I mean, Sosa and McGuire weren't doing anything illegal when they were hitting 60 plus home runs in 98. And then we can get into the whole David Ortiz showing up on the 2003 New York Times report and how he and Sammy Sosa both only showed up on that 2003 New York Times report, but Sosa is weirdly punished. He has over 600 home runs, but he's not in the Hall of Fame. David Ortiz, though, David Ortiz gets allowed in. I mean, there's a lot of hypocrisy here, no matter whether it is for the guys that use steroids, whether the guys that didn't use steroids, whether the guys that showed up on the same report but possibly never used steroids, it is all a mess. So it's nice knowing that, yeah, Mark Burley didn't use steroids for his performance, but also on the other side of the coin, you know, according to Long Gone Summer, the 30 for 30 doc ESPN did last summer about the home run chase between McGuire and Sosa, it wasn't illegal what McGuire and Sosa were doing at that time, the Andro stuff. So, you know, even if they were doing Andro back at that time, it wasn't illegal according to the MLB. So 
you know, take out the side that Mark Burley wasn't in the MLB when Sosa and Maguire were hitting those home runs, but, you know, let's just put him in there or let's use Jamie Moyer, another soft-tossing lefty, you know, examine Jamie Moyer and Mark Maguire in 1998, and even though Maguire's on Android and Jamie Moyer isn't, those guys are both passing the test and passing the lay of the MLB law. So, you know, I'm all for Mark Burley being voted into the Hall of Fame, but I don't think that the fact that he was going up against steroid users should matter because the MLB didn't make it matter. The MLB didn't do anything about those steroid users, or at least when they did, they waited too long. But then also there's an argument that if they didn't allow those guys to use, then baseball could have died. The fact that steroids saved baseball. I don't know. It's such a tricky history that I think that it should all be honored. It's a baseball museum, and whether it had to or didn't have to happen, it still happened. It's still the history of baseball. That's how I view it. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. We're talking about the Hall of Fame on this episode of Locked on White Sox, and let me tell you about the Hall of Fame flavors Built has. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and Built is always in the lab. They are always cooking up new, limited-time flavors, so check out Built.com often to see what flavors they're releasing. Throw out all your sugary, calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and that tastes incredible. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. You have a computer, you have a phone, you have access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Before Rock Auto was a sponsor of Locked On, I was paying $20 for wiper blades. I just went to rockauto.com for my model, 2010 Toyota Corolla. I just found blades for $188 a piece. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you can need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Here's the important part. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. It's the Monday Mailbag. You can call in 312-566-8727 or you can write in LockedOnSox at gmail.com. We are going to go out and continue our White Sox therapy session about the Hall of Fame with Alex from Bolingbrook. What's up, Sean? Alex from Bolingbrook calling in, and that was atrocious. 
I'm, I'm trying my hardest not to curse, but that was absolutely horrible. How can you go ahead and elect David Ortiz, a known PED user, to the Hall of Fame, but Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens does not get in? I know you agree with me, Sean, when I say Barry Bonds is 100% a Hall of Famer, but I'm just calling in to just rant about this because this is ridiculous. How, the Hall of Fame is supposed to be the greatest players to ever play the game. How do you have a Hall of Fame without the player who had the most home runs of the season? How do you have a Hall of Fame without the standing home run king? I'm sorry, but he does have, but he does have over 700 home runs. How do you have the Hall of Fame of the best players in the world without having the best player in? I'm glad that Mark Burley managed to stay on the ballot, and I feel his taste for the Hall of Fame is just going to grow the longer he's on the ballot. It's just keeping him above 5%. But I guess my question for you today is two questions. One, how disappointed are you, if at all, that David Ortiz made it into the Hall of Fame, but Barry Bonds did not, and Roger Clemens, for that matter? And two... Uh, do, are you at all concerned about the fact that Burley dropped from 11% of Hall of Fame votes to 5.8%? Anyway, looking forward to tomorrow's episode, dude. Cheers. I'm gonna go drown myself in a bottle. Hey, boy. Alright, Alex. Thank you, buddy. Hope you're okay. I hope you're okay. I made you a song, Alex from Bolingbrook, Alex from Bolingbrook. It might get annoying. And then before I answer Alex's questions, uh, tag yourself. This is me when Tony La Russa, uh puts Liam Hendricks on the mound when Aaron Judge is uh, on, at the plate with the bases loaded. And then the White Sox lose the game. That was atrocious. Alex from Bolingbrook. Thank you for the call. I cannot match your intensity about David Ortiz making into the Hall of Fame compared to Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Honestly, I'm fine with Ortiz making it into the Hall of Fame. I don't like the fact that Ortiz is making it into the Hall of Fame on his first ballot when he has the same steroid accusations as Sammy Sosa, right? It's very much believed that Sammy Sosa is kept out of the Hall of Fame because of his steroid use. The only time he was ever named was on the same exact 2003 New York Times article where David Ortiz was named. So if you think that David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer, which I do, and Sammy Sosa is a Hall of Famer, that's where I'm most intense. Sammy Sosa was a fantastic, fantastic baseball player, and he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. With Bonds and Clemens, there are both instances of them not being good people there is domestic violence on bonds's side and there is a very complex relationship and gross relationship between roger clemens and country singer mindy mccready uh, who passed away in 2013 uh, you can look into those stories if you'd like but that's why i just am not that angry about it because i don't think that these guys are you know stand-up guys you know, with Mark Burley, there's nothing <laughs> in his background. All that dude did, liked to do was throw, get on a mound. He liked to, Mark Burley liked to stand on a mound and throw baseballs. That is all, and drink beer. 
He liked to, and sometimes in the same night. That was Mark Burley's M.O. He was going to go out there, he was going to throw some pitches, and then he was going to go drink some beer. And that was the cool thing about Mark Burley. Bonds and Clemens had that weird superstar aura about them. I could not relate to them. I don't really want to back them up. Yes, they were good baseball players. Yes, Barry Bonds hit 762 home runs. He took steroids. It was impossible to get him out from 2000 to 2004. And one day I think he'll be in the Hall of Fame. And same thing with Clemens. He has the accolades to be a Hall of Famer. One day he will be voted in via committee. I just don't see the need to pound the table to get those guys in because the numbers speak for themselves. I think it's more important to speak for cases like Dick Allen, Mark Burley, the players that meant a lot to us as fans. Clemens and Bonds didn't speak much to me as a fan. They were very good baseball players. That's just about it. That's that's all I have to say about them. They were very good baseball players. And now to your question about Mark Burley and am I concerned about him falling from 11% last year to 5.8% this year. And no, the big thing about Mark Burley's case and, uh, you know, possible Hall of Fame candidacy is the fact that he just needs to survive and advance. And survive and advance is what he did. He received the second lowest amount of votes for a person making it to the 2023 ballot. Tory Hunter received 5.3% of the vote. Mark Burley received 5.8%. But the biggest thing for Burley is, again, the fact that he made it, and then the players that fell off the list. Schilling didn't get voted in after 10 years. Clemens didn't get voted in after 10 years. Bonds didn't get voted in after 10 years. Sosa didn't get voted in after 10 years. Ortiz got into the Hall of Fame, so he's off the ballot. But even then, we talked about Pettit. Hudson and Burley, these guys being so similar, Hudson didn't get to 5%. So Burley's case about just pitchers on the ballot, you know, that increases. Burley is on the list next year. Pettit's on the list next year. And Billy Wagner is on the list next year. Those are the guys that are returning that are pitchers on the list next year. We talked about Pettit versus Burley. They're very similar. That The fact that you know Pettit has this postseason success and Pettit was a Yankee. Pettit was the ace of the Yankees. He got his shine because of the media, but Burley had better numbers. So I think that Burley has a stronger case than Eddie Pettit. We just have to show it to people. That's on us. That's on us, Sox fans. And Billy Wagner is just a completely different case being a closer But another positive for Mark Burley is that the incoming class is a pretty weak class, not only just for pitchers, but just in general. I think there's only one player that is a for sure Hall of Famer, or at least a person that's going to get five years on the ballot. That's going to be Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran's going to at least have a shot to make it into the Hall of Fame. A 70 war player, I would vote him in, but Scott Rowland's having difficulties as is. Uh, Carlos Beltran, 300 stolen bases. 300 home runs. He's at 435 home runs and and 312 stolen bases, but that just reaching 300 and 300 is huge. And White Sox fans knew him at an early age. He was the rookie of the year for the Kansas City Royals in 1999, a full career of accolades for the Puerto Rican center fielder, the switch hitter. 
Carlos Beltran has the eighth most war for a switch hitter. And this is why I'm a little bit iffy, you know, on him being a for sure Hall of Famer. I definitely think he's going to have years on the ballot. Tim Raines had a difficult time uh, on the ballot. He was a switch hitter, 69.4 war for Tim Raines. Carlos Beltran, 70.1. And the other thing is, what was the last time you saw Carlos Beltran in an MLB uniform? Oh, it was the Houston Astros in 2017. Uh, yuck. Oh, 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 what was that? Oh, yeah, he was a cheater. So he did have a great career, a great statistical career. But if we're talking about Bonds and Clemens breaking rules, you know, I think Carlos Beltran was breaking rules in 2017. You know what I'm saying? Uh, anyways, uh, shout out to garbage cans and garbage cans everywhere. But I do think that Beltran's at least going to take uh, votes away because, again, you can only vote for 10. But if we're looking at the pitchers that are going to be coming on, John Lackey, I don't know if he has that strong of a case. He has under 40 war, so I think that Burley has a stronger case. Jared Weaver, yuck. Matt Cain, he had a no-hitter, but uh, I'll still take Mark Burley. Uh, Bronson Arroyo, cool dude. R.A. Dickey, Cy Young Award, but, you know, what have you done uh, f- before you were 40? Ooh, and, and, and there's another name on this list. It's the, it's Chad Qualls, everybody. Let's boo Chad Qualls. Boo Chad Qualls. Why don't you go give up a grand slam to Paul Konerko, ya bum? I'm sorry to Chad Qualls and Chad Qualls' family. Anyways, to wrap this up, I think Mark Burley does have the strongest case for a starting pitcher on next year's ballot. And it does, I, you know, I think that means something. And Omar Vizquel's support's going to wane, so that's just more votes that are coming available. So I think that more votes are available than any other year in Mark Burley's candidacy. So I think that it's possible Burley can get up to 15. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it right now. My early high point for Mark Burley is 15. I think the low point could be 7%. So I think that's the range, 15 to 7% next year for Mark Burley. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I know that baseball is still in a lockout and there's less football being played. But Bet Online has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. You can bet totals, you can bet player props, you can bet where the next fired coach is going to land. Bet Online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website at betonline.ag. Go sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to get started. And it's not just football, Bet Online's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Go to betonline.ag, their new updated desktop and mobile website, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON to get started. BetOnline, where the game starts.
Thank you for making Locked On White Sox your first listen each and every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I am very excited because uh, the White Sox made some big news over the weekend, and you might not have heard about it. Jasmine Dunstan is now taking over as the White Sox Director of Minor League Operations, replacing Grace Guerrero Zwit. Zwit was hired back in 1982 by Roland Hemoid. I don't know who that dude is. I'm going to be honest with you. I have no clue who that guy is. I am assuming he was the general manager of the Sox because I know Dave Dombrowski was the assistant general manager of the White Sox. But shout out to Roland. Probably a, he was probably a nice dude, maybe. Uh, but Dave Dombrowski, current Phillies general manager, uh, Grace Zwit was hired in 1982 by the White Sox. She was the first woman to work in Sox baseball operations. And that's obviously a very important trail that she blazed because Grace Guerrero Zwit blazed the trail for then Kim Ng, who is now the current Miami Marlins general manager, who had her first job in baseball back in 1990 as assistant director of baseball operations. So Grace Guerrero Zwit blazed the trail for Kim Ng, and now Jasmine Dunstan might be a very familiar name to Chicago baseball fans because Jasmine Dunstan is the daughter of Sean Dunstan, the former Cubs shortstop. The only thing I know about Sean Dunstan, again, I am young, you gotta, you gotta forgive me, uh, is that Sean Dunstan had a huge arm, uh, that Sean Dunstan had the Sean-o-meter, which if you guys want to bring back for me, that's that'd be cool. Uh, but Sean also spells his name completely different uh, than even other Sean. I spell my name S-E-A-N. Uh, other Sean spells his name S-H-A-W-N. And then Sean Dunstan, uh, he spells his name S-H-A-W-O-N. So, I mean, Jasmine Dunstan, your dad is other other Sean. But congratulations on the job. Jasmine is 31 years old, and she just spent the past year as a specialist in the Reds player development department. She will be reporting to our guy, Chris Getz, who is the current assistant general manager of player development for the White Sox. And Jasmine is doctorate, I believe. So I think she is Dr. Dunstan. She recently attended John F. Kennedy University for her Juris Doctorate in sports law. So again, congratulations to Jasmine Dunstan. Welcome to the White Sox. Go Sox. Shout out to Grace Guerrero Zwit as well on her retirement. The trailblazer who ultimately, I mean, you could say led the trail for the first female general manager. Shout out then to the first female general manager, Kim Ng. And there's other great White Sox women in the front office and doing the baseball uh, operations side. Uh, Emily Blady, there was a feature with Alyssa Bergamini last year. I think it was last year. It might have been last year, but Emily Blady, baseball operations analyst, uh, she has a really interesting background on how she got into baseball. And if you ever uh, want to check that out, uh, back in 2019, Crane Chicago Business, uh, she was written up about their 20 in their 20s. Uh, so if you want to go check that out, she's baseball operations analyst for the Chicago White Sox. Shout out to the Chicago Sun-Times for the Jasmine Dunstan article. There was great background about her and Grace Guerrero Zwit there. So if you do want to go support local journalism, you can go support them and the story over there. Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. I'm going to be honest. I have plans for Wednesday. 
I also have a plan for Friday, but I'm not sure if Wednesday's plan is like 100% yet. So we might have to move Wednesday's plan to Friday and then move Friday's plan to Wednesday. What, what, what all needs to happen, though, is you just need to show up. I'll be here on Wednesday with some type of plan and you will have an episode to listen to because this is the only daily Chicago White Sox podcast. Thank you for listening. Now go make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. I gotta get some outro music. Goodbye, I'll talk to you on Wednesday here on Locked on Sacks, 